Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards with pureandsimplebible.com. Very grateful for another opportunity to have a Bible conversation, and I hope you're excited to listen to it. It's going to be a good one. Adam Dean is with us, and he and his family were down for the Texas Labor Day meeting. They stayed with us, and per the contract for any house guest, if you stay at my house, you have to record a podcast. So on Friday, I believe it was, we came out to the office and had a great conversation with him about the new command from John chapter 13, verse 34, a new command I give you, that you love one another as I love you. You also are to love one another. And so we're going to spend a couple of sessions in this podcast, a couple of episodes, breaking down what this means, a new command. Is it really new? And what does it mean after all? So let's jump into a great Bible conversation, shall we? I like to have my guests introduce themselves to people who may not know them. So I know you. I've known you for probably longer than the vast majority of my guests, except maybe my dad. Right? <laughs> We've hope, known each other our whole life. I would hope life. you know your dad longer than me. <laughs> um, I would say we became best friends in college. Yep. Right? So we knew each other before that, but it was... I, I'm one year older, and therefore... Mm-hmm. When we were teens, that you were, meant I was you unable were, to hang out with you. Were, you were you were so much cooler than us because you were <laughs> you were born like you know, uh, seven or eight months yeah, <laughs> before right. I was. But you came to uh, the greatest college in the history of mankind. Amen. Uh, the University of Oklahoma. <laughs> That's where we got to know each other. But go ahead. So, Adam, I know you very well. But to those who don't know you, tell us who you are, what you do, who your people are. Sure. Absolutely. Um, first, thanks for having me on. Um, I, I love the, the work that you're doing and uh, excited to be a part of it. So, But my name's Adam Dean, and uh, I grew up here in the Dallas area, actually. Um, and You're a walk, rock wall man. Rock wall man. That's I, mar- right. I married your cousin. So yes, <laughs> you, you are married to my cousin, um, which was really funny. I mean, we've talked about that a lot, uh, how you and Marissa kind of when you first started dating and uh, I don't remember if you knew that she was my cousin at the time or if you were sharing with us that you were interested in this girl and I'm like yeah that's my cousin um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, I love having you as part of the family uh, mm-hmm. too and that you know we get to spend a lot of time together you know outside of just meetings and stuff right. we get to see each other family events so where it's a th- um, it's a dean thanksgiving a year dean. i'm excited so. i'm looking forward to it so uh but yeah grew up in rockwall went to college in oklahoma at the uh the amazing university of oklahoma mm-hmm. so graduated from there uh continued to move further north to kansas city uh where i married my wife devette uh we've been married for 14 years um now and uh she's originally from the kansas city area and was still in school so we lived there uh up until about about a year ago and Mm -hmm. then we relocated to the wichita area Mm -hmm. and we've been um in wichita now for a year and uh working with the congregation there a little bit um by trade i work in medical education (laughs) and have spent a lot of time uh, traveling and have had the 
just incredible opportunity to get to worship with like brothers and sisters all over the country. Mm-hmm. So it's been really neat to to get to experience that. But uh, now in our, our new place, it's really nice that I get to be home so much more. Mm. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I feel like our, our family dynamic has really grown a lot in the last year because we yeah. get to spend so much more time together mm-hmm. uh, than we ever did before. So yeah. very thankful for that. Two kids. Two kids. They're eight and five at the moment. They're yeah. about to be nine and six. Uh, so Foster turns nine here and wow, less than a month. He turns nine this month. Almost double digits. Oh man, it's your last single digit. <laughs> I'm 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 excited for him. Um, he's he's such an amazing kid. Um, super smart. Love him to death. And uh, my daughter Elowen is five and turning six in January, mm. and she is just the sweetest little thing. We are we're going through you know the typical growing pains that you do with kids. Yeah. Um, especially after a big move and some of the, the life experiences we've had recently. So, but they are, they're amazing kids and incredibly resilient. So proud of both of them. Good. Well, I'm glad you're here because some of the things you just said, by trade, you work full time. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that you're not a student of the word because you're talented at preaching. You've been called to teach locally. And so you put in a full day's work and you study to mm-hmm. help lead worship whenever uh, you gather with the saints on a Sunday. Um, so I've known that about you for a long time. You've we've been when we you know twenty years ago we were teaching at young speakers <laughs> meetings together. That's right, and all the way up. You have a study that you've brought into the studio today called a new commandment. And for those that study the Bible, we are familiar with that phrase. Jesus says it. The Apostle John says it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this new commandment is a you know about love, and yet it really is not as new because it's been around the whole time the Bible has been written. It's just the problem is the people who are supposed to obey it would qualify <laughs> it and then kind of snip at it until there was nothing mm-hmm. left. Right. So what's what was your motivation or intention for your local congregation? What did you want to do whenever you wrote this sermon? You know, when I started kind of prepping this thought um, of, you know, how to kind of approach this, uh, it was just really kind of came out of my daily reading. Um, As I was reading through John, I got to John chapter 13, and this phrase, a new commandment I give to you, and Jesus goes into this idea that, you know, you love one another just as I've loved you and that you should have this, these relationships where you love and care about each other. And, but it was that phrase, a new commandment that I was like, why is he acting like this is a new thing? Like Mm. this is all throughout the new Testament. Mm -hmm. This is throughout the old Testament, this Mm -hmm. idea that we're supposed to, to love one another. And Jesus, Jesus talks about love. I think probably, you know, more than anybody else. Uh, And over and over again in his teaching, this idea of love your enemies and Mm -hmm. people who, you know, don't care about you. You're supposed to care about those people. You're supposed to love them. And Mm -hmm. he goes on to say, you know, things like, you know, the, the, the way that you love somebody and show your love to them is by 
your actions and how you uh, treat other people and the service that you give. And, and he lived that. And so, you know, we look at this scripture and we go, okay, this commandment that we have, you know, we, why is it constantly repeated over and over again? And this idea of it being new, like we said, it was because it it's a difficult concept, I think, for us to really wrap our minds around because it's not within our human nature because God gave us free will. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not within our human nature to want to put other people ahead of ourselves. Right. Our will comes first. That's yeah. what we want. It's easy to be selfish. Right. Even though we've been called to love one another. Mm-hmm. I do like how maybe I'm partial to this because I have a, a similar sermon. You have in your notes that there's 62 verses that talk about one anothering. Yeah. And I like that. Mine, mine's called the one another factor, mm-hmm. but it's the same conclusion as what a, a healthy study it is when you do a word search on one another in the New Testament. I found four categories that I felt they could generally fall under. It was love one another, help one another, teach one another. And the fourth one's like the kind of in the narrative and they said one to another, what are you mm-hmm. doing here? You know, it's like it's not mm-hmm. really about some sort of command to obey. Mm-hmm. But I like that. Um, you're you're drawing the fact that over and over again, our faith is supposed to be relational. We're interacting with people and it's not all about you. Right. The relationship factor, I think, is difficult sometimes for people because we we serve a God and a Lord that we can't physically see. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes it can be uncomfortable for people to think that I'm having a relationship with with an entity or a being that I don't feel like there's like I can't see there's not a there's not communication back and forth but that's where as you study the word and you understand this relationship that we have with God and he explains how that relationship works and you know through prayer and studying the word we come to a better understanding of how the Holy Spirit works within us and leads us and guides us and that's really kind of how this what this study led me towards as I began to kind of uncover some of these better understanding of the relationship that we have with each other and the relationship that we have towards uh, our neighbors, which we're going to talk about, Mm -hmm. um, that helps us understand our relationship with God. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's an important aspect for us to understand is, is how that relationship works between us and God and what the communication has to be. Because when, in a relationship, it, it's not a relationship if there's not communication. And if the communication is not going both ways, then only one side of that relationship is getting serviced. Yeah. And so we have to understand how God communicates to us. Mm-hmm. And we, in return, have to communicate back to God. Mm-hmm. Now... There's a scripture, we're kind of answering the question at the very beginning, and mm-hmm. usually, uh, you know, we kind of go through it and answer these big questions at the end. But right here at the beginning, you're laying out that how can, if the question is, uh, why does this command matter, or why are we supposed to love others? And you said something without quoting it 
maybe it's in your notes and I just haven't I don't know them well enough when you bring this in later. But in first John chapter four verse twenty, it says this rhetorical thought of uh how can you love God if you don't love your brother whom you see? So if you mm-hmm. if you claim to love God whom you cannot see and then you despise your brother who you can see, can you really claim that you love a God who you can't? Mm-hmm. And so you're you then take us into this you know, based on this question of why are we supposed to be doing this? And that's the answer of, well, we love our brethren because ultimately that's how we learn to love God. You do pause to illustrate that we, we're really good at liking ourselves. Yeah. So can you tell us about <laughs> Dennis Waitley? I don't know if that's how you yeah. pronounce his name. I'm, I'm not sure exactly how you pronounce his name, but I found this in, in my study. I found this research that he did to be very fascinating because I think the, the, the Bible talks a, a lot about this, the one anothering because we're not very good at, at it because we have that selfish nature. Mm-hmm. And this guy's research kind of showed that. So there's a, apparently, a, according to this gentleman, he's a motivational speaker, author. And so he's calculated there's 450,000 words in the English language that get used conversationally but about 80 percent of our conversation is only 400 of those words so the bulk of what we say is all it's like kind of like a word cloud you know there's some word you know the bigger the words are the more they get used so there's 400 like big words but of those 400 words the biggest words the the four words that are used most commonly above any other are i me, my, and mine. That's that's tragically accurate, mm-hmm. especially with babies. First words too. You know, it might be mama and daddy, but pretty mm-hmm. quick they're saying mine, mm-hmm. me, mine. Mm-hmm. Um, you make a point as well that you've observed this in your Zoom calls <laughs> that it's about me, mine, I. It is. You know, uh, as we've moved from like in-person meetings to being on Zoom a lot more, and I'm, I'm excited we get to do this face to face. But as we have these Zoom meetings, I've noticed for myself, like I really struggle because on Zoom, it gives you a little a little mini like picture in picture uh, pop up of yourself. Right. And I will spend an entire meeting concerned about how I look like do I look do I look professional in this business meeting is everyone taking me seriously uh does my hair look right you know and I'll I'll spend an entire meeting concerned about how I look and completely miss the point of what the meeting was about Mm. and I know this is some this is just something about myself that I know um I'm that person that like if we're at a dinner table if there's a mirror in the kitchen, you've got to sit me on the opposite <laughs> side because I will sit and look just past you over your ear at the mirror behind you. <laughs> so, because uh, I'm looking at myself. And I think that that's not just a me issue. I think that a lot of people do struggle with that. And well, you put in your notes that uh, hotel managers, <laughs> building managers install mirrors in lobbies because people complain less when they're. Mm-hmm. waiting for a slow elevator and they get to look at themselves. Yeah, the research the research shows that like if so if you like show up to a hotel and there's a line of people waiting to check in and you've got to wait behind these people. If there are mirrors like behind the attendant or there are mirrors to the side, people will 
they'll turn and they'll <laughs> look and they'll they'll keep themselves occupied looking at themselves and that wait time seems shorter and so there's less complaining there's less trying to you know get to the front of the line and things and so i think it is within our human nature and i think i mentioned it here too just a little test for yourself like if you are in a group photo like if you're flipping through like some family photos or something Mm -hmm. and you flip through and there's a a a photo that you're in and like a group photo who's the first person you look at yeah you're looking for yourself you you find yourself (laughs) in that crowd of people and oh i look terrible (laughs) oh i can't believe it i wore that outfit yeah um without a care of anybody else really in the phone they could have their eyes closed or be sneezing but if you yeah, you go take family photos and you get them back and you're like, oh, I'd be like, oh, Devette, look at these great photos that we got. Look how great. <laughs> and she's just like, I look terrible in that photo. I'm like, oh, I didn't even see right. you. I'm sorry. Right? Right. You look at yourself first. You're concerned about how you look and things. And, and that's, you know, I think kind of human nature a little bit. When when you see an image of yourself, your eyes kind of drawn to it. We know yeah. what we look like. Um, and then we critique ourselves. I am curious how this works in the age of wearing masks because I've I've seen a lot of people who still do selfies with their mask on. It's like you can't <laughs> even see yourself, but yet you're still interested in a picture of what you look like even when you got a mask on. That's I'm going down a rabbit hole. Um, you asked the question, so like after kind of meditating for a bit on, yeah, it's pretty obvious that we're a selfish creature. Um, but considering the scripture that this is based on, a new command I give you, love one another as I loved you, you all sort of love one another. So uh, it seems like it's going to be challenging based on how selfish we are to love others. Um, but you, you kind of pause that by asking the question, why is this new? Mm-hmm. And and so maybe we could go that way for a little bit. Uh why is this new when there are obviously scriptures all over the place that have been telling us to love and right. it shouldn't seem very new. So what do you got to say about that? Yeah, it, it definitely, and that's what it struck me the first time that it's not the first time I've read that verse, but this most recently when I was doing the study that I was like, well, why is it new? And you know, you look at all the other scriptures and the one that I, I reference here in Matthew 22 um, the Pharisees are, are questioning Jesus, they're challenging him, and one of them says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he says to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first, or this is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And so this idea that this was like a new concept was kind of funny to me that Jesus would phrase it in that way when it it's obviously goes back to the very beginning, this idea of loving God, loving others, that that's, you know, what you're supposed to be doing. But when you really kind of break it down and you understand what the, the individuals Jesus was talking to at the time, what they had done, to the law was they had taken it and they wanted to to make sure that they were doing everything perfect and so they Mm -hmm. were um creating these like micro laws uh to try and make sure that they were staying in alignment with what they thought god wanted Mm. and 
really trying to create boundaries that would keep them from falling off of this, you know, very narrow path. But what they had done was they had created rules and traditions that were actually pushing love out of the picture. Right. Instead of understanding the meaning behind the law and why the law was put in place, which was that it would create within us a a spirit of giving and service towards one another, it was creating these laws that were basically prohibiting them from serving others in certain circumstances. And that was what Jesus was so frustrated with Mm. and upset with Mm -hmm. the Pharisees was that they had taken what was supposed to be a very simple commandment and really extrapolated it into a bunch of different directions that really took away from the purpose and the meaning. They had a, they got a flow chart for how to, how to love then this. Right. And, and flow charts are probably the least romantic thing you could do. Like, you know, just think about the love between a husband and wife and Mm -hmm. what we're supposed to have with our wives. And and if we really tried to turn that relationship into a flow chart, if Mm -hmm. she's sad, then buy flowers if, she's if she happy. does dishes, <laughs> then I, yeah. you know, whatever, yeah, the walk the dog. The yeah. spontaneity is lost, and with spontaneity is that romantic spark. Mm-hmm. Let me read the scripture, Matthew 22, the, just the highlights of it, and then maybe you could comment on, on what this means, kind of break it down for our reader, our listener, rather. Uh, maybe somebody's driving or, you know, they're not mm-hmm. near their Bible. So let me read it, and then... Uh, Help us understand it. So sure. a, somebody came to Jesus and they asked this question, Teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Uh, the, sorry, this is the great and first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. So uh, you have kind of some breakdowns of, of how we're going to... Mm-hmm obey this i think one of the things that we do sometimes is we look at the first parts of scriptures and we don't look at the end of the scripture Mm -hmm. and i think this is one of those that i've done for a long time as i would read the first part you shall love the lord with all your heart with all your soul and all your mind great that's that's number one number two you shall love your neighbor as yourself cool love your neighbor as yourself cool that's great that's that's the that's the bulk of it right there but then there was this part at the end on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets yeah and that was the part that in my studies i was like okay all of the law hangs on these two principles well if that's the case then i need to better understand these two principles yeah so first one love god jesus says that the first commandment love god with our whole heart soul mind and strength you can go into an extensive exhaustive deep study on heart soul mind strength all of that essentially though without doing that in this study what jesus was saying is that we need to love god with everything we have not just in our mind Mm -hmm. not just you know oh yes internally in my mind i love god and 
believe in God, but that that love requires action, mm-hmm. that there is something more than just a feeling, yeah. but it's something that we express in our actions and our words and even with our possessions and how we use those to show our love for God. And so loving God with your whole self means that we don't hold back anything from God. We we don't have areas of our life that we set aside and say, this is mine. This is, this is for me. And God, you're not welcome here. You know, there's the thought of, well, you know, we have our worship services and those times are a hundred percent wholly dedicated to God and, and worship. And I can do that. But, you know, throughout the rest of the week, Uh, I really struggle. And, you know, there's, you know, when I'm at work, I really don't have time to, you know, evaluate, you know, is this a a good thing or does this really fall within something that would be pleasing to God? And that's not what the Bible's teaching. And that's not the way that we approach our relationship with God. Our relationship with God should be intertwined into everything that we do. And, all the decisions that we make just as we, you know, and I think that, you know, when you think about things that you love, whether it's, you know, people, you know, your wife, your children, um, football, fantasy football, different things (laughs) that people place value in and that they, that they quote unquote love, you set aside time for those things, right? You, work those things into your schedule. You make decisions based upon how those things will be affected in the decisions that you make. So if I decide that I want to go play golf on the weekend and I've been working all week and Devet's been home with the kids and I say, you know what? It's Saturday. I've worked all week. I want to go do my thing. Sometimes that's okay. But my relationship with Devet and what's going on helps determine whether or not that's a good decision to make because I love her and I care about her and I care about her needs as well. And so I want to place those needs up here Mm. and evaluate those as Mm -hmm. I'm making decisions that will obviously affect me, but will also in the trickle down affect my wife, my children, our, our schedule and you know, not saying it's wrong to play fantasy football or go golfing on the weekends or do things that are for yourself. But when you love something, you put that into perspective and you make decisions uh, based upon how others are affected. And we need to do the same thing with God. Yeah, you say in your notes, uh, love is a verb and verbs show action. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a great summary of it. I heard one guy say, Additionally, love is time. Mm. And it really, that's our greatest resource mm-hmm. is time. The older we get, time becomes way more valuable. And so to give time, like we appreciate, I appreciate more probably now than I did five years ago, 10, 15, 20, however long you want to say, when somebody gives up some time to help me do a project. Like yeah. if I can't, I have a bus I'm you know renovating. Mm-hmm. And when somebody's like, hey, I've got the afternoon, what are you doing? on the bus, I want to come help you. I'm like, whoa, because that hourly rate that you would pay someone for that is, you know, off the charts. But, mm-hmm. you know, this person's wanting to volunteer. They want to do it for free. They're wanting to help me 
to spend, you know, to wanting to spend time with me. So love is time. Love is action. Mm -hmm. These are tangible things. The things you bring up about relationships with your wife, your kids, your friends, uh, your church people, that this is tangible for me. Um, so take it to neighbors then. You know, obviously, I need to do this with God as far as action, time with God. Mm -hmm. So now loving my neighbor Break that down for us in this scripture, Matthew twenty-two. Sure. How's it? How's it becoming more focused on our fellow man? Right. And so, you know, I use that analogy of you know loving my wife uh, to kind of explain how we make decisions and and uh, how that affects our relationship with God. But Jesus, in this example, he says the second greatest commandment is to love your neighbor mm -hmm. and so it's very easy for us to say oh well i just talked about that devet she's my neighbor she's my <laughs> wife you know checked off all right you know doing good but this this idea you know love being an action being a verb you know it's it's again not the idea of will i think about it you know oh i think about how much i love and care about other people right it's not a, a feeling. Mm -hmm. It's we are called to love. Mm. And that to word is, a, is the action. Mm -hmm. it, it requires us to do something. And so, like I said, you know, when we love something, we devote time and energy towards it. And so if we know what we're what we kind of should be doing in this giving of our time, right. of our possessions, of our uh, energy, then we need to kind of figure out the second part of this thing. Okay, well, who's our neighbor? It's the question that the the Pharisee in this scenario, in, in Luke, we're going to jump over to, to Luke, the parallel passage to this, um, where the Pharisee kind of asked this question of, you know, uh, who's right. my neighbor? Right. And, you know, trying to kind of figure that out. And so um, we'll talk about that a little bit. But before we get too far away from the subject, I think that it's really kind of important for us to understand the breakdown of, you know, we talked about how the Pharisees were setting all of these different, like little miniature laws in place and boundaries to kind of help them, you know, what they thought stay on track. But everything really that we do, everything that's required of us, everything that we can think of that God asks us to do really boils down to these two things right everything we are asked to do in our worship everything we are asked to do in our actions and service fulfill one of these two principles yeah. either we are doing it for god yeah or we're doing it for others and so for the person that is feels sometimes overwhelmed by like oh my goodness the bible is it's so big and there's all of this mm -hmm. stuff to understand and these rules to follow Jesus really gave a very simple, basic uh, principle here in, in saying that really it all boils down to these two things. Mm -hmm. You're yeah. either serving God or you're serving other yeah. people. And if you're not doing one of those two things, then what are you doing? You're serving yourself. There's a translation that that, that final verse of verse 40 on these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. And I heard somebody say one time, uh, it's like the nail that you put a picture on. Mm -hmm. And so you can't hang the picture frame until you've sunk the nail into the wall. Mm. 
And so loving God and loving your neighbor, literally the whole Old Testament, the law and the mm-hmm. prophets, right, is, is hung on those two principles, the Ten Commandments, which oftentimes get the honor of being this, these are the biggest ones. Mm-hmm. They hang on loving God and loving All your neighbor. ten of them. Right. right, so because the Ten Commands are about the first four are loving God and the second half or the six are about loving your neighbor as yourself, all different types of neighbor from your family to yeah. strangers. And it, it seems like um, because it hangs on that, that it would be easy to come by. In fact, you have so many scriptures in your notes, probably too much for us to, to, <laughs> to consider each one. But let me just give a highlight of what I'm seeing here. Romans 13, 8. Uh, Owe no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. Philippians 2, verse 3. Humility, in humility, consider others better than yourself. Uh, Ephesians 5, 28, 29. Husbands should love their wife as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it. So that's just uh, the ones in your notes. And probably that's scratching the surface of the ones that the Bible mm-hmm. talks about. And you just didn't have time to put them all in there for when you teach. So it, it, it's, I guess, I'm trying to understand for Jesus' audience, why would this be a new command when it's so prevalent? And I mean, honest, obviously we've read New Testament scriptures. Mm-hmm. They didn't have those. But so many Old Testament scriptures, I love, you know, all the Psalms where, uh, David and others talking about how they love the law. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. It's sweeter than honey, like mm-hmm. all these things. Why was it new to the Jewish people at that time? I, th- I think it was just, it really was a mindset in that, you know, when you look at the Old Testament, you know, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not steal. It was a don't do this thing. And from that, you know, they they took those laws and principles and you know don't work on the sabbath that one got really taken to an extreme um but at the same time what was the purpose behind it it was that if you love your neighbor you won't kill your neighbor (laughs) if you love somebody you won't steal from them and so essentially these were kind of you know big guidelines to say like you know, do no harm, you know, don't hurt other people, be kind towards other people. But really the goal was to help them understand that they should be loving one another and serving one another. And that was not the way it was being interpreted. It Mm -hmm. was being interpreted that, okay, well, I love God. I don't have to like you or love you necessarily as long as I am treating you according to the law, then our relationship is okay. Because again, this is all about relationships. It's about how we interact with each other. And when our relationships with each other, if there's conflict in those relationships, there's conflict in our relationship with God too. Mm -hmm. As brothers and sisters in Christ, if there is conflict between us, if there is sin between us, that barrier that exists between us is also existing between us and God yeah. because our relationship with God is affected when our relationships with each other are not in the right, yeah. not set up in the right way. You know, there's a, uh, we love Calvin Hobbes. Mm-hmm. 
and others do as well. Calvin and Hobbes is a comic strip, for those who aren't familiar with it, of a little boy and his pretend tiger whom he sees as real and everyone else sees as a stuffed tiger. And uh, so I'm sharing this little strip with you all, not because of anything I approve of, but just it's Calvin and Hobbes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to make an example with it. <laughs> Calvin is so interested in one of these little strips uh, in getting uh, Christmas presents that he's going around and he's, he's looking up into the sky as he says to Hobbes, here's my favorite comic, and he's shouting it, here's my favorite comic, don't touch it with your grubby fingers, here's a set of tongs so that you can flip the pages, don't breathe on it because I don't want the ink to be, uh, you know, to be taken off of the page, and whatever you do, don't soil it, and just in case anybody out there is listening to it, Yes, I've let you read my comic book, and like the the premise of it is he's trying to get he's been really bad, yeah, and so he's trying to make up for it by being really good to his you know, and that's how I'm interpreting based off of the the observation that mm -hmm. you just made about these people. They have taken a a good law. We know that the law is good, mm -hmm. and yet they have uh, been so interested only in what can it do for me that they've mm -hmm. they've watered down what it was intended for into just a series of rules and regulations right. of thou shalt not do this, thou shalt not do that. And it's almost like Calvin, you know, instead of actually giving a good gift, he has he's doing it for such terrible reasons that, you know, Hobbes is really kind of perplexed in the, in the little comic. But I see that in this yeah. connection. And so when we get to Luke 10, like you're talking about in Luke, some of these same ideas come up. When somebody's trying to trap Jesus and they say, what's the greatest command? And he tells it to them. Their, their natural response is, well, then who's my neighbor? Yeah. Like they're going to qualify themselves out of having to obey that command by, if we could just parse away who neighbors are, then we don't have to really do anything. I, a lot of times when I read through scripture and I think this is, we all probably do this a little bit, but we kind of, interpret in our mind like maybe like what was happening or the thoughts that people are having as as these events are taking place and in my mind this pharisee is like jesus is giving this response and this pharisee's like yeah well who's my neighbor <laughs> uh, like there's kind of this like offhanded like flippant remark and then jesus dives into this story this parable about the good samaritan which most everybody's probably familiar with but luke chapter 10 jesus tells the story and I won't read it but just paraphrase it that there's this man he's on a journey he's going from Jerusalem to Jericho he gets beat up by some bad dudes and he's on the side of the road you've been reading the message haven't you yes beat up by some bad dudes beat up by some bad dudes <laughs> and they take his clothes they he's naked on the side of the road mm -hmm. and along comes a priest and he's like okay, I'm not touching this guy. He goes like crosses to the other side of the street to, yeah. to go on past. Yeah. And then a Levite comes by, does the same thing. You know, these are, these are religious people. Right. These are people that we would be like in today's culture, like, Oh, those are some good Christian people. Right. Or, you know, preacher or an elder yeah, or a exactly. Yeah. You know, these are, these are people that we would hold up and say, these are examples of how you should live your life. Mm -hmm. And yet they go to the other side of the road and they pass by. It was inconvenient for them. Exactly. It was not on their schedule for the day. Right. It they was, had righteous things to do. They had righteous things to do. <laughs> but 
along comes this other gentleman who all we know about him is he's a Samaritan. Right. If if you go back and look at the history between no the good. Jews and the Samaritans, this is this is this this is one of the guys that people would probably be like, oh, he was one of the guys that beat him up. He yeah. was probably beat up by a bunch of Samaritans. <laughs> yeah. You know, they had assumed and, that when he said that. The robbers fell upon him. Yeah, people in the crowd, obviously Samaritans. Obviously Samaritans <laughs> were the ones that beat him up. And 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 honestly, and in, in you know the Pharisees that are you know asking this question when Jesus is telling this story are probably thinking that very thing. Yeah. And then Jesus says, and along comes a Samaritan, mm-hmm. and they're going, oh yeah, this guy's gonna kick him. You know, this guy's <laughs> gonna make it even worse. And Jesus talks about how this Samaritan takes pity on him he sees him he stops Mm -hmm. he takes his time he gives his his time his possessions he puts this man on his own animal he takes him to an inn or you know and if you put this in modern day terms puts him in his car takes him to a hotel yeah he gets him um first aid he gets him a place to stay gets him fed and then he leaves money with the the man who's taking care of him and says, here's some money. I'm going to come back and check on him. Yeah. If you need more, I'll pay it when I get back. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus basically like ends this story and says, who do you think is his neighbor? Right. Yeah, he never answers the question. He never answers the question. Lord, who's my neighbor? He never answers. He kind of asks his own question. It's funny that the Pharisee says, "The one who showed him mercy." Yeah, the Pharisee can't, can't, can't even say Samaritan. Say Samaritan right? <laughs> it's like, you know, he the one who showed him mercy, the one who showed him love, the one who took his own time to go and and do all these things was the one that was his neighbor. And we talk about relationships again. What was the Samaritan's relationship to the guy on the side of the road? He's well. He's unrelated. Doesn't know him, but he's near him. He's near him. There's not a relationship there until yeah. the physical proximity comes mm-hmm. into place. Mm-hmm. He saw a person who was in need, a person that was maybe even on the side of the road. It doesn't indicate this in the parable, but maybe he was crying out for help. Yeah. Maybe he was, you know, reaching out, hoping somebody would come along and help him. And the Samaritan does. But there's not a relationship prior to this. This isn't like his cousin that he finds on the side right. of the road or some old friend. There's no relationship between this two, these two men, and yet this one individual gives his time, his energy, and his possessions to help this person who he has no relationship with. But now he does. Yeah. Now he has a relationship with this guy. Yeah. And I think that's what's the, the point of this story was that Jesus was telling us it you don't know who your neighbor is going to be. Right. It's the next person. Right. That you come into into contact with. So he's really asking the the teacher of law. He's really asking a question so that he can justify limiting who mm-hmm. he interacts with, which is typical of that generation and that culture. Right. It's pretty typical of ours, too, though. We're going to limit who we interact with, and there's a whole lot of reasons. It could be Mm discrimination-based or prejudice-based, and it could simply be laziness. You Mm -hmm. know, like, I just don't want to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, we don't know why the priest or the Levite went along the the other side of the road, 
It could have been prejudice, discrimination. It could have been laziness. Great number fear. of reasons. Could have been fear, mm -hmm. right? Could have been busyness. I've got other things to do. So I like your quote where you say, you're, you're still kind of answering the question, why was it a new command when Jesus said, a new command I give you to love one another? Well, we're going to cut it off right in the middle of this conversation where Adam and I are again kind of meditating and reflecting on the Scripture, a new command I give you. Is it really new? Hopefully across this episode we've seen that there is some antiquity to the command, but then there is some newness as well. And we'll continue to explore it next week. you got to come back, though, if you want the exciting second part in this mini-series called a new command I give you. So please join us next week. And until then, don't forget, you can always go to the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com to check out all of the free downloadable resources that are there, as well as the uh, podcast and the YouTube videos and everything else that's associated with the channel. Hope you have a wonderful rest of the day. And always remember, God loves you very much. And I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you. Well,